The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas, November 28th through December 2nd, and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag, and to learn all about the Atlas Developer Data Platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com slash reinvent for more information. Hi, this is Stephen O'Grady from Redmuck. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast. Like I said, what we're trying to measure as best we can, and it's an imperfect process, but as best we can, we're trying to measure how much our language is being talked about, you know, sort of over on the Stack Overflow side and asked about and what's the activity there. And then, you know, what is the actual uh, trajectory of things on the code side, right? In terms as measured by pull requests. Welcome to the show. That was the voice of Stephen O'Grady. He's the co-founder and principal analyst at Redmonk. We're also joined by Rochelle Palmer, the software driver space at MongoDB. So Rochelle, Stephen, Nick, and I are talking about the language report that's produced by Redmonk. This report ranks languages based on their popularity using things like GitHub, pull requests, Stack Overflow, discussions. It's a great discussion about the popularity of languages. There's some surprises in there. I think you'll enjoy it if you're interested in software development languages. Before we get to the show, I'd like to ask for your help. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Would greatly appreciate that. If you're listening on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, subscribe. You're also welcome to join us on the community. If you want to discuss this episode or anything related to MongoDB, you can find us in the community at community.mongodb.com. Hope to see you there, and we hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Hey, Nick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Mike. Today we have uh, kind of a unique episode, I think, for this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple of guests. Um, uh, Rochelle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me here. Fantastic. Um, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Um, I joined MongoDB in 2013, so one of the old guard here at the company, uh, pre-IPO. Um, when I first joined, I joined our cloud engineering team, and then I moved on to create and run our uh, technical services support team for everything but server, which includes security, application code, load balancers, all of the other various products that MongoDB builds. And then now I run product for database experience for all of our official programming languages. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, let's welcome Stephen O'Grady from Redmonk. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about um, about yourself and maybe a little bit about Redmonk? Sure. So I'm one of the one of the co-founders of Redmonk. Uh, I was founded uh, a lot longer ago than uh, either myself or my uh, co-founder, James Governor, would care to admit. Um, so we've been doing this for a little while. Uh, Redmonk is a it's a analyst firm in that we do research, you know, sort of like any other analyst firm, with the exception that uh, our focus is largely on practitioners. So those could be developers, they could be DBAs, they could be, you know, operators, sysadmins, um, you know, sort of you name it, right? Because our sort of core belief all along has been that the practitioner is increasing you know, sort of the audience uh, deciding what gets used, you know, within businesses. And so in, in that title of practitioner, what roles do we find in there? Is that just software developers? Is that operations? What roles fall into that? 
uh, could be any all of the above, right? Um, it could absolutely be a, a database administrator. It could be a, a software developer. You know, could be a sort of operations. Uh, could be admins. Could be you know SRE. You know, sort of you name it. It just depends on you know what category and what uh, area we're talking about. You know, basically what it comes down to is the people that we spend the most time thinking about are the folks in the trenches doing the actual work. Yeah, interesting. And that, that's why we brought Rochelle to the party today so we could talk a little bit about the, the overlap between the report, the research, and our product space, our, our developer experience space. So Redmonk recently released a report on programming language rankings. You want to shed some light into why that report was published? So way back when, I believe it was 2010 or thereabouts, uh, there were two, two folks, uh, Drew Conway and John Miles White, uh, who thought it would be interesting to compare the popularity of languages, uh, programming languages on Stack Overflow and GitHub. And they did this and you know, sort of we at Redmonk thought, hey, this is, this is really interesting. And they kind of did it as a lark, you know, sort of as a, you know, just a, essentially a, a curiosity on their part, right? What, what is the answer to this? What does this look like? So we picked it up and, and sort of used their approach. We've had to modify it over the years, you know, as, you know, our access to APIs and the GitHub and Stack Overflow sides have changed. But like I said, we thought it was an interesting sort of look at, you know, on the one hand for GitHub, what source code is actually getting written. And then on the Stack Overflow side, you know, what code is being discussed, right? You know, and sort of what are the trends? Are they up? Are they down? How do things compare relative to one another? So we started doing it, you know, uh, shortly after they published it, and we've been doing it, you know, really ever since. So now we have a pretty good, you know, historical record going back a ways of how these, you know, sort of all these languages compare to one another, you know, sort of on the basis of GitHub and Stack Overflow, which, you know, I, I feel the need to include, a, you know, the, the sort of necessary disclaimer that, you know, this is not a perfect process in the sense that there are languages and usage uh, you know, things like COBOL, for example, is that a lot of businesses, it doesn't show up here because it's not represented in GitHub. So we're not trying to survey what is actually in usage, right? This is just a, um, what is, you know, what is sort of, you know, a topic of conversation at, um, you know, in these two properties. You know, we, we always have folks, you know, who are, uh, you know, sort of upset at, you know, hey, my language isn't featured or it doesn't account for this, it doesn't count for that. It's just, if we had access to everybody's, you know, sort of enterprise repositories, we'd, we'd look at that. But, um, you know, this is the next best thing. So, yeah, that's how it got started. So year after year, um, do, you, do you add stuff to the report that says, you know what, such and such language has become more popular uh, versus last year kind of thing in this report? Yeah. So as a companion piece, we started this a couple of years ago. You, know, you used to have to kind of have to piece this together because we just dropped the rankings and, you know, had people. Um, uh, essentially refer to previous iterations, right? To see, okay, what's, what's you know, sort of gone up and down. Uh, since then, we have started producing a historical record. So I usually drop the, the, um, the sort of ranking of the plot on um, my, uh, my side of the site. And then Rachel, who does a lot of the financial, not financial, the um, quantitative rather, legwork, uh, you know, for this, the, um, the rankings does a historical record. So in other words, you can look at over, the entire history of our rankings, you know, where has each language placed over time, um, which gives you a lot more context. Got it. And uh, in, I mean, let's go based off the latest report, I guess. Um, did anything surprise you? Like, were you surprised by any of the languages and how they ranked? Uh, I don't know that surprise is the right word. Um, 
you know, there are things that I think are always notable, right? So uh, TypeScript, you know, continues to grow, which we find notable. Um, so one of the things to sort of keep in mind with the rankings is that they're accretive in the sense that basically they count. It's not a snapshot of what happened last quarter. It's a snapshot of what has happened since as long as we've been doing these rankings, right? So, you know, you can you can imagine that, you know, people have written a lot of JavaScript over the last 10 years. Uh, and therefore, a language that's sort of new to the scene has to, you know, make up a lot of ground, right? You know, to sort of, you know, co you know compete on that basis. So the fact that TypeScript in a very short span of time has cracked the top 10 uh, and been able to sustain its its place there and grow it is is really pretty notable, you know, from our perspective. Um, you know, R is another language that sort of continues to surprise. You know, I, I know for a couple of years, you know, on the data science side, there've been people saying, you know, everything's going to Python. We don't, we haven't seen that. Um, R continues to perform pretty well. Yeah, Ruby's decline is is also interesting. You know, we have seen it sort of in a flat to decline period for, you know, sort of a number of years now, which, you know, Ruby fans get very upset. And to be clear, look, it's still in the top 10. And even being in the top 20 means you are, you know, an immensely successful language. So uh, all credit due. But that, that sort of trajectory, I think, has been interesting to watch. My question looking at the rankings is, um, could you clarify for the listeners when we look at the TOB rank or the Stack Overflow developer rankings, Swift is a 13 or a 15 and in the Redmuck rankings, it's an 11. So how do you explain the difference? So a lot of it comes down to what you're measuring, right? So in other words, Stack Overflow obviously is measuring Stack Overflow. TOB uses a sort of mix of different things. I don't, I don't know that they publish their exact methodology, you know, but I know it includes like search, you know, sort of rankings and, you know, there's other pieces in there. So the net is, is that, you know, like any other system, right? It's a, the rankings are a product of their inputs. So we use different inputs um, than both of those rankings. So our rankings are, you know, pretty logical. I think it'd be a little different. You know, what we're trying to do, you know, and this is, like I said, it goes back to Drew and, um, you know, John's original work is try to have some reflection, not just of discussion, as it were, but also, you know, the the actual code usage, you know, feeling that, you know, we're representing both. Now, again, you know, there are issues with that in the sense that there are programming language communities. Well, Mathematica is an example, right? So they have their own, you know, sort of stack overflow uh, flavor, which isn't measured in ours. Um, other communities spend most of their time in places other than Stack Overflow, right? It could be IRC, it could be Discord, Slack, and so on. And therefore, they're underweighted, you know, relatively speaking, sort of along that along that axis, you know, for us. I mean, basically, it comes down to everybody does their rankings a little differently and is looking for different things. And as a result, the results are, you know, they're going to be, well, they're going to skew uh, one way or another. So for the folks that are listening, uh, the report exists on a on the Redmonk site. And uh, Steve, I guess the first thing is how how do folks get a hold of the report? How can they access this? So if you go to redmunkrankings.com as a URL, that will take you, that'll redirect you to the page on my site. And then for the historical rankings, if you just go over to redmunk.com, it's one of the featured, you know, sort of pieces. Um, so you'll be able to find that there. For the folks listening, the report contains a number of languages and there's the largest piece I think is that's interesting is the the plot, which shows the utilization and the language rankings. And then under that, we have the listing of rankings and notable at the top, we've got JavaScript, then Python, Java, 
PHP, fifth spot. And it seems like there's a shared fifth spot between C Sharp and C++. And then we've got oh, also at the same spot is CSS and then TypeScript and then Ruby on down. And we've got 19 languages listed. And you mentioned the methodology for collecting and, and ranking these around uh, discussions in Stack Overflow. You also mentioned GitHub. And I'm curious about the methodology for GitHub. Is it sheer repos that are tagged as that language or does it take into consideration the activity on each repo? Yeah, so we're actually, we're looking at pull requests rather than straight repos, right? So we're looking at pull requests essentially ranked by language. The process has changed, you know, sort of over the years, you know, in the sense that in the early days, GitHub themselves ranked the languages. So we just went in and, you know, sort of looked at, you know, okay, you know, here's their rankings. We use those as, you know, sort of our, our source. They did away with that. So, you know, then we had to find ways to do it. So what we do now is there's a archive of GitHub activity. Uh, we just go in and look for that and we do pull requests. And like I said, so we do, uh, you know, sort of every quarter um, or every, in this case, actually two quarters, you know, we pull the last two quarters data and throw it onto the rest of the data that we've collected. Stack Overflow, we look at tags. GitHub, we're looking at pull requests. And like I said, what we're trying to measure as best we can, and it's an imperfect process, but as best we can, we're trying to measure how much our language is being talked about, you know, sort of over on the Stack Overflow side and asked about and what's the activity there. And then, you know, what is the actual uh, trajectory of things on the code side, right? In terms as measured by pull requests. As I said, there are always corner cases where, you know, something doesn't, you know, sort of work for one reason or another. But this is, I guess this, the, the, the way that I typically answer it is, is that if somebody has a better way for us to uh, rank these things and, and pull the data, we we're happy to hear it. But for now, these are the best sources we found. When we're, uh, when we're talking about pull requests for GitHub, are we doing any kind of thresholding or? Anything along those lines? Because what what if these pull requests are are very small, one one line of code versus um, a million lines of code kind of thing? We do some things to sort of filter, right? So in other words, we're doing things like okay, so pull requests on forks and so on, sort of are filtered and excluded. But um, you know, I'd have to talk to Rachel. I don't believe we're doing any thresholding as far as size of uh, contribution. You know, so we're trying to make sure that we're not pulling in the same data, obviously multiple times. You know, it's kind of like people always get on us for including CSS. We try to, there are certain things that we have to pull out, but we try not to editorialize, right? We're trying to not inject ourselves into this, you know, this discussion is try to, you know, rely as much as we can on the quantitative metrics, right? So in other words, their linguist classifier says that CSS is a language, so we use it. And likewise, it'd be really difficult for us to measure per request at scale um, in terms of their sheer size. So we try not to. So Rochelle, I'm interested in your take on the report. Did anything shock you or, uh, or give you pause when you were looking at the results? And maybe also tell a little bit about the, the software driver space, the, the driver space at MongoDB, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. MongoDB has 12 official programming languages. And then we also have a number of community-built drivers for other programming languages where we don't officially maintain them, but, you know, we weigh in, we may contribute code, we may sponsor the developer occasionally, and definitely talk to them on a regular basis. So a good example of that is the R driver. Reports like these are super useful to me as a product manager, obviously, but I also think any software company where you're looking at providing a, a library or a framework to specific groups of developers. Things that were interesting or shocking about the report, um, 
I had also seen data about the descent, if you will, maybe we don't want to call it descent, that's a scary word, of go. And that was also echoed in this report. I think it's really interesting. You know, MongoDB has a large usage share of the Go developer community. I think more than 30, right now, more than 32% of Go developers use or know MongoDB. So that's a little worrisome, perhaps. And then some of the languages where we are investing um, are still not in the top 10, right? So we invest a lot in Swift. We are investing a lot in Rust. And so I hope to see those languages flourish. And then in terms of the rankings, does that line up with what we're seeing in terms of popularity for the software driver space for MongoDB? Yeah, pretty much. And obviously the most popular language with MongoDB is still JavaScript, Node.js. We benefited greatly as a company from the mean stack from a few years ago and then the follow-up MERN stack. So it remains the most popular language to use with MongoDB, but actually, you know, our second most popular language is actually Java followed by uh, C Sharp. So I think that, you know, the top five for the Red Monk report are this top five for MongoDB uh, by revenue and by size of community. So that's consistent. So in terms of the, the data from the report, Steve, what are people doing with this data? Well, it's it's interesting. I think one of the primary use cases is for, you know, individual developer communities to fight with one another. We <laughs> see we see a lot of battles on on Hacker News and and uh uh Reddit and so on. You know, so that's certainly one input. I think, you know, it does serve as quantitative input, you know, for you know, for some folks looking to make, you know, decisions like, you know, drivers, right? So in other words, you know, very, you know, we we have at Minnesota Red Monk over the years had many companies come to us and say Okay, look, I know I need to add support for another language or two. Like, which one should I support and why? And we don't just hand them the report, of course, because, you know, things are market, you know, context dependent. And, you know, in spite of the fact that one language is ranked higher, you know, another language may be more appropriate given a sort of particular use case. But, you know, people are, you know, do use it you know, sort of as, as um, you know, input for that. Um, but then also, and I think that there's a, you know, there's an element to the communities themselves. Right, in ter- the language communities, I mean, in terms of again, this is not a canonical, you know, this is not the sort of accurate state of play. It's not the definitive measurement of everything that's going on. But, you know, you do look at these trends over time, and some of the language communities will look at them and say, okay, hey, this is great for us, or this is a problem for us. And what are the kinds of things that, um, you know, you know, we need to, we need to look at? Like I've had, you know, just as one example, you know, Go has been interesting because we've had a bunch of, you know, it grew very quickly initially and then it kind of plateaued. And, you know, when you look at it, you know, what is it? It's usually in the sort of 15-ish range, you know, within sort of a spot or two. But it's also not clear that they have, you know, sort of a ton of upside, you know, from there. Java has remained robust, you know, a robust competitor. Rust is emerging, you know, as a competitor for those server-side workloads. Unlike Java or Kotlin, it doesn't have a mobile story. Question is, if you're the Go community, like how do you grow from here, right? What are the new use cases, workloads, communities, et cetera, that you can bring into the fold to expand your base? So anyway, I, I think, you know, again, not every language community does this, but some of them look at it and say, all right, hey, this may be, you know, sort of useful input, if only for a discussion of where we're at, right, and where we're headed. Yeah, I also want to say, you know, one of my 
quotes that I've made to multiple people is that we shouldn't focus so much on like using these kind of data points to say whether or not a community or a language is dying because, you know, lucky for us as developers, we don't die if a language loses its popularity, even though we know it. And so you look at some of these very long lived languages, they still have very large communities, even though they don't have the hype and they don't have the buzz, but you still have really large enterprises using that language for production apps. You can still find a job very easily. And just because a language has gone from, you know, ninth to 11th place over a three-year period doesn't mean that there's going to be this like mass exodus of developers, nor does it mean that everyone is just going to stop writing code in that language. So um, yeah, I hope people don't take that away from some reports like these. No, and I, I think you know. Look, we try to we try to include you know sort of all the necessary caveats. And the difficulty with our caveats is that no one ever seems to read them. You know, right. <laughs> we get all these objections. It's like, no, that's actually in there as a caveat. Like, you know, that is important to stress because, like I, I mentioned, COBOL earlier. COBOL is a really important language, you know, for a lot of enterprises. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, current. It's not popular. It's not even on these rankings, right? So, mm-hmm. so you have that, and then you know, I mentioned Ruby earlier. You know, there there are dozens, if not hundreds of languages that would kill to be in ninth place, right? So your trajectory is not, you know, maybe what you want, but, you know, the level of usage, level of discussion, et cetera, you know, Stroll makes you a, a very, very popular language in it, you know, sort of in your in your own right. So we, we do occasionally see some, um, I guess, more dramatic takes on, on the news here, mm-hmm. uh, and we try to discourage that whenever possible, right? We're just... All we're trying to do is is check in twice a year and just take a pulse of how things are performing relative to one another. That's basically it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's an argument to be made that once you become a massive language, the word community doesn't really apply to you anymore in some ways, right? Um, Some of the language communities, they are really small right now, and it's kind of nice you know the major contributors, you know the founder by their first name, they'll actually respond to you on Twitter, email really quickly. And when you get to a, a larger size, that's just not true anymore. It's like working at a 100,000 person company and trying to get a meeting <laughs> with the CEO, which is not going to happen. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Rochelle had mentioned that MongoDB actually became successful in the JavaScript community because of things like the mean stack and the Mern stack. Do you think that JavaScript is kind of remaining at the number one spot because of all the frameworks around it? Like you said, TypeScript is is on the rise. Do you think it's rising in popularity due to its ability to work for C-sharp developers, JavaScript developers, I think even Dart developers? Yeah, so I think, you know, frameworks are absolutely important, uh, vital, in fact, you know, to adoption. You know, we've seen this over and over. You know, Ruby, you know, for example, was catapulted into popularity, you know, because of, you know, the Rails framework once upon a time, you know, Node, you know, did a ton for JavaScript's popularity, you know, sort of once upon a time. So there's no doubt that, you know, if you look at sort of frameworks, you know, in the JavaScript community, one, there's a lot of them, and two, many of them are popular. And that absolutely contributes to popularity, you know, but honestly, you know, the thing with JavaScript, you know, which I think, you know, differentiates it and gives an advantage, it's just so versatile. Right, it can do literally anything you want. It's used in mobile. It's used in web front ends. It's used in back ends. In some cases, it's used as glue cut. Like it's just pick an area, and somewhere there is somebody doing 
something with JavaScript in that area, right? And that's just not true of most languages. That's why, and I mentioned R as a surprise, right? You know, R is basically, you know, you just do, you know, statistical analysis, right? That's it. You know, it doesn't have any, you know, you're not writing web front ends or mobile clients in R, right? That's just not what it's for. That's why R has been a surprise in a sort of, you know, in the, you know, being as popular as it is. But it's also why R is, you know, solidly in the back end of the top 10, outside of the top 10, rather, um, versus JavaScript, which is atop the rankings because it can do literally anything. So, yeah, I think it's the versatility, at least as much as the frameworks, I guess is the short answer. Okay, I have a question. What language do you personally want to see make it into the top 10? <laughs> That's a good one. I, honestly, you know, I, I think the one for me would be would actually be R, shockingly, just because it's it's funny when, um, oh, this was years ago. I had somebody, you know, somebody from the R community, um, somebody I didn't know, R had dropped a couple spots and it had been written up as like, oh, hey, is this, you know, are we seeing impact from Python or whatever? And they got very upset and accused me of not liking R. And I had to reply, I'm like, the plot in this language ranking that you're looking at was rendered in R, right? That's what I used to do the actual analysis. So my programming days are, I don't, I don't, you know, other than sort of dabbling here and there in JavaScript and Python and a couple other things, you know, from time to time, you know, sort of largely for um, either toy stuff on my own or, you know, sort of pulling data, you know, for various things. R is what I deal with most day to day. I'd love to see R get in the top ten, but like I said, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty narrow domain. So that'll be a that'll be a tough sell. Uh, for me, it's Dart. I think it's super cool. I want to see it succeed. I want to see it surpass Swift and Kotlin. This was a good this was a good ranking for Dart. Um, nice. You know, we hadn't seen it uh, you know move in a while. It was languishing and going back to the earlier question about frameworks. This was a case where Flutter has done a world of good for Dart because Dart was hovering. I'd have to go back and look. I think in the 30s and just charged up the rankings. You know, since um, you know Flutter hit what was it 1.0? I think. Not that they'll appreciate the analogy, but I think of it as like some little small town team showing up to play the Yankees. It's like really cool. <laughs> Cheer them as they walk on the field. There you go. Yeah, I love it. So there's this whole space in like fast data and streaming technologies like Kafka and, and, uh, and similar. I'm just wondering if you've given thought to including things like that, that for in frameworks like that in the in the rankings. <laughs> so uh, this may not this may not be a surprise, but you know, as we started doing these, and more importantly, as they started to become more popular, right? Because in other words, depending on what happens in the rankings, you know, these these posts can or, you know can do big traffic, at least big traffic in the world of tech. You know, hundreds of thousands of page views, those kinds of things. So as they became sort of more popular and more visible, uh, a lot of people approached us and you know wanted us to rank other things, right? Like, okay, go out and rank application platforms, go out and rank databases, go out and rank this, that, and the other thing. And basically what it has come down to is, is that you can measure anything, right? In other words, you know, TOB, as we mentioned earlier, for example, uses search engine ranking. So you can absolutely go out and pull some of these things in. We just haven't found a good way to do that in a sort of in other areas, you know, in a way that we feel good about. Like we keep looking at it. Um, and if we find a way to, you know, look at databases, look at streaming platforms and so on in a way that we feel is not just a ranking for ranking sake, you know, because like I said, we can go out and, you know, gin up metrics wherever and say, yeah, here's our rankings and, and so on. But in a way that we feel is not perfect, you know, the, the language rankings aren't perfect, but in a way that's sort of intellectually, you know, defensible and useful, then we'll do that. But, you know, thus far, 
it's just it's hard to find you know it's it's hard to find sort of ways that you can measure things the same way languages are you know sort of just by you know their their nature you can measure okay who's doing what with these right you know just by pull requests as we talked about earlier and that's much harder to do with like who's using databases and so on uh short answer is we're working on it you know we think about it but we don't have anything we haven't found the the solution to that problem just yet awesome Stephen, this was this was great great stuff um, is there anything that we might have missed that you wanted to share with the listeners of this podcast? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I think that the big thing for me, which we talked about a little bit, was is just putting all of this in context, putting this in, in context to say, what do these rankings mean? Right. Because like I said, the, the biggest thing that people do is, you know, one community goes off and says, you know, we're better than another because, you know, these these rankings, you know, I, we ranked higher or whatever. And first of all, the you know, particularly the further you go down the rankings, you know, the smaller and smaller the distinctions are that we're talking about. Like the difference between one and two is is you know often significant. The difference between like twenty and thirty is not that big a deal, like in most cases. So what we try to do always when we we get people to think about the rankings, just consider them, look at them over time, but also just don't get carried away, right? These are not uh you know, this is not a lottery, right? This is not, you know, the Super Bowl, this is not you know, they're, they're interesting. They're fun. We, we were very glad and we appreciate that people enjoy them. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe a little less, um, uh, combat via, you know, community combat via rankings would be great. Awesome. And Rochelle, this is your first time on the podcast and it was, it was great having you. Do you, do you have anything that we might have missed that you want to add? Uh, no, probably not. Fun fact. We just rewrote our node driver in TypeScript. So I guess we're committed to TypeScript here as well. <laughs> there you go. It's pretty good. Fantastic. Well, Stephen, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. We'll include links to the report and some of the things that we mentioned in the show notes of the podcast. Thanks very much, Stephen and Rochelle, for joining us today. Great. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com. The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas, November 28th through December 2nd, and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag, and to learn all about the Atlas Developer Data Platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com reinvent for more information.